Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. My name is April Lovett. And my name is Daryl Lovett. We've been together for five years, and we have a three-year-old sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and smiley baby boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we co-own The Lovett Company. That's right. We do so much together. And we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. Oh, yes. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we want to share with you how we manage to run our side business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we'll be talking about working towards success, overcoming failures, and just living our everyday lives. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk Concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they have found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White, the podcast. The podcast. We're back. Wait, I was supposed to say the podcast after you said Success in Black and White. Oh, we didn't do the back and forth. No. Let's <laughs> I try stole the show. Again. Let's okay. try again. All right. Ready? Yep. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Success in Black and White. The podcast. Oh, my bad. See? See? That's how it is. You okay. Come on now. Hey, you know. Don't act like you don't know how it goes. Sometimes you just got to... Mix it up. That's what mix you're doing. Mix it okay. up. All right. You're going to mix <laughs> it up. I got you. I can't hate on that because I like to mix it up, too. Yeah. So we are going through John Maxwell's The 360 Degree Leader. Um, And we, this is part of our School of Leadership series that we were super excited to talk about and has been just an awesome series that we're doing and talking about leadership principles, um, leadership tips and tricks, and just the kind of how to just on everything leadership Um, and especially exploring it from how do you lead down, how do you lead across and how do you lead up? And so we've been through the leading down, we've been through the leading across, like how do you lead your peers and influence your peers, and now we're going to talk about the nine ways to lead your leader. So basically, how do you lead up? We were, yes, yes, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, we were both really excited about um, just the series in general and about going through parts of the 360 degree leader. And so we're going to talk a lot about leading up tonight. I want to start in with, before we even jump into the nine ways to lead your leader, there's just like there's a difference between leading down and managing down. There are definitely differences between leading up and managing up. Um, And I just want to cover those really quickly because I think that can get confusing to people. And a lot of times you might think of like leading up, but you're actually think what you're actually thinking of is managing up. Right. Correct. So, and a great example of managing up is keeping your boss informed of what you're hearing from the sales team about customer needs. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times somebody might think of that as actually leading up. Right. And I don't know if that's just not a good way that I would think of it. Right. That's correct. Leading up then is 
something more along the lines of offering your boss a strategic insight or plan that would open up a new market for the company, for example. And so it's definitely much more of that providing vision um, and providing strategy and kind of moving through a leadership process and then offering that up to your boss, kind of like we talked about before. Right. So what are your thoughts on, you know, obviously leading down and managing down are two very different things. And I feel like we talked about that a little bit, um, especially in the leading down. So what are your thoughts on leading up versus managing up? Because this is very different. Right. So I definitely think that when you're talking about managing up, the primary role of the manager is about providing people what they need or receiving what you need to achieve a specific result. So it's all about specific results when you're managing up. When you talk about leading up, the primary role for the leader who is leading up is to maximize the impact and overall success of the organization. So they take more of a macro approach to leading up where managing up. It's about specific results leading up. It's about that macro approach and maximizing impact and overall success of the organization. Gotcha. Okay. So we talk about, I mean, this was like a overview kind of like macro level, kind of like you said, about managing up versus leading up. And so we're going to jump into, um, we're definitely going to get to the nine ways to lead your leader. Um, but I do want to really talk to you specifically about, because you are a leader and you are a top level leader. So if you are a leader, how can you open yourself up to be okay with your followers leading up to you? Because that could be a real ego check if you're the leader. Absolutely. I think that ways that you can kind of help assist the situation is by making sure that you share your priorities up front. Okay. So whatever your priorities are for the organization or the direction that you're going in, that's shared with the people that could potentially be leading up. Okay. Or that could be leading you. So if they know what your priorities are, then you have a neutral ground from the starting point. Right. Whereas if they don't know what your priorities are, they may come in with something off the wall and that's initially going to create that barrier. Okay. So sharing your priorities, I think, is very important. Another thing that I think is very important is clarifying your expectation. So your expectations could be as general as your mission, your visions, your values, expectations around those and how you want to accomplish those. If you have any specific expectations about outcomes that you're looking for, if you have any specific um, expectations about the resources that are available, if you have any expectations about different protocols or processes, I think it's very important to clarify those up front as well and to build that rapport with the people that will potentially have the opportunity to lead up or to lead you. And then the last thing which we say um, a lot in this school of leadership is being open to feedback. Because when you're a leader and you're in a certain position or you're leading a group, sometimes it's easy to know what your objective is and what your overall or overarching goals are. And sometimes you can close yourself off to the feedback because you know where you're trying to go. And it may not have been shared down or the perception of it 
may not be the same as to what you have inside of your mind. I was going to ask you, like, how long as a leader, how long did it take you before you could open yourself up and let others lead up to you? It took a while because that's daunting. I think both ways is daunting, but definitely being open to someone leading you for me in particular made me feel like I was susceptible for someone to come in and alter the plan or alter the vision or alter my process. So it it took a while and, and it took me some time understanding and learning how to navigate when you are being led from up underneath that you have to set the foundation and the ways that I just explained is how you set the foundation so that when you are being led from up underneath you, you know that they understand and know what your priorities are. They know what your expectations are. You've already built that rapport and they understand that you're going to be open to feedback. So once you build that foundation, it makes it a little easier and you don't have to worry about your processes or maybe things being shifted or changed as much to where it would impact you directly to make you shut down or to make you not want to put yourself in that position. Gotcha. So you talked a lot about kind of setting those initial boundaries as part of that process and allowing people to lead up to you. So has there ever been a time that somebody has been leading up to you and it's just been the wrong thing? And like maybe they get super annoying because they keep trying to lead up to you. Have you ever experienced this? Absolutely. I've definitely had this situation before where I've had someone that wanted to implement a change in a policy and they were doing it from an approach of leading up. And the way that they went about it, I don't think was effective because they took an ambush approach. So if you're leading up, taking an ambush approach It's not recommended at all. Also, if you are told or informed that the timing is bad, that is a cue for you to take a step back. And that means maybe reevaluate what you're doing and waiting for a better time or just tabling what you're trying to move forward in an attempt through leading up. So, yes, I've had that and I've had someone to come back and annoy the crap out of me by continuing to try to lead up by coming to me so often with the same old thing after I've after I have communicated down that this is not the right timing. Do you know the implications this is going to have on the organization as a whole? Is this something you feel is important and has to be done right now? Have you thought this through all the way? Do you know the domino effect that is going to come once you make this change have you thought this through thoroughly and it just got to a point to where I had to just sit them down formally and be like okay listen I appreciate what you're doing and I know that not in these exact words but you're trying to lead up and I appreciate that and I appreciate you trying to help the department and help me um, accomplish what our goals and objectives are but right now you're not doing that you're aggravating the heck out of me and you need to go sit down somewhere. Mm. I didn't use those exact words, but if I could ad lib or 
say it the way that I was thinking it in my head. That's how it would have been said. I'm curious, like how they ambushed you, like just constant, like over and over. Or was it like they literally would just pop in and like it surprised you and you didn't have the time to hear them out or like. Yes, the ambush is the surprise, (laughs) the not having the time to prepare my thoughts or not having the time to put my mind in the place to where I would have been able to receive what they were saying and Uh, the constant approach of this same situation by the same person. I call that ambush when, you know, a, a meeting isn't planned or they're not waiting for a time to where, you know, maybe those hallway conversations happen when you're walking out or you're not busy or you're not doing things. Right. That's what I call the ambush. Uh, so first note, we haven't even gotten to the nine ways to lead your leader yet, but the first one is do not ambush your leader. Yeah, don't ambush your when leader. When trying to lead them. Definitely. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I definitely want to jump into the nine ways to lead your leader. Um, and I think that when I was really looking at um, Maxwell's 360, it's kind of like almost how do you lead your leader, right? It's and tough. Yeah. I really thought about that. Like, is there a definition of this? And there's not. And like, what are the most effective ways to do this? And so that's kind of where it came across is what are the most effective ways? And here are the nine ways that Maxwell says are the most effective ways to lead your leader, which of course we're going to tell our own stories in between. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the first one that he says is to lead yourself exceptionally well. And the key to leading yourself well is to learn self-management. In order to be successful, you must make the right decisions early and manage those decisions daily and consistently. So that kind of right off the bat hit home for me because that is what when we are coaching um, and we are coaching people for success and to be leaders, that is what we preach is self-management. Yep. That's the first thing that we address. Right. Yep. If you don't know yourself and you can't manage yourself and I mean in that a lot of people talk about time management um, and I'm not a huge fan of that term just because... I mean, I get it and I get why people say that, but time management implies that we can manage this resource that we actually can't really manage because time never stops and we can't stop it. That's right. And so when you practice self-management, you're actually practicing managing yourself and the, what you're doing within this time frame that you cannot stop or start. Um, and so Those are principles of self-management. So I thought this was really, really interesting. Absolutely. Um, Do you have thoughts or tips about how maybe somebody could get better at self-management? Or what do you even think about this first one? Mm, I Yes, I have tips. Um, We're going to list off some tips. And when I say list off some tips, as I think of them, we're going to tell you what they are. (laughs) But we're going to do it like the non-official route. Um, So I'm going to try to make sure that it's relatable. But you're going to get Daryl right now. That's a little more on the real side. Real talk. Yeah. So you're about to get that. So the very first thing that I that just popped into my head is like know your role. 
Ooh. You know, I used to hear The Rock say it all the time when I used to watch wrestling. Know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> um, so I think that's very important to know your role in the organization or the company. And that will help you self-manage better. That's true, because maybe like if you don't know your role and you're just constantly overstepping your bounds, then you can't practice effective self-management. That's right. And people see that. Mm -hmm. It shows up as clear as day. Yeah. So I think that's the very first uh, tip that I would give is to know your role. The next one that I would give is to know how you prefer or like to receive information. Okay. I think that's very important. Um, I know, for instance, for me, I like the formality of being able to sit down and talk to you. But for some people that may not work, they may like emails or text messages or phone calls or formal reports or something. Um, So I think knowing how you prefer to receive information is very important. Right. Um, so what's the first? Know your role. Goodness yes. gracious. Know, know your, your role. role. And then knowing how you like to receive information. And I think in that you have to make yourself aware of how like if you're going to lead up, you have to make yourself aware of how your leader likes to receive information. Yeah, definitely. So and this is a tip a little bit later on, but you always want to make things easier for your leader. Absolutely. Um, and so... If we're talking about that and specifically about communication, it matters definitely how you communicate because of the self-management, but it almost matters more how your leader communicates and how you communicate with them and making sure that you are effectively communicating with them in a way that they're going to hear. Absolutely. And I think that if I had to pick a phrase or term to sum up what you just said um, is knowing your style. Oh, and yeah. then knowing the style uh, or the preferred style of your leader. So knowing your leader's style and knowing your style, I think, is very important. I think that's kind of basically what you just said. Yeah. Um, and then applying yeah. that to the information piece or the communication piece. Um, so, yeah, those are those are good. Um, yeah. Keep adding them in with me because I'm trying to think through this. Yeah. Um, I think. The next one and this one that just popped into my head comes from me giving presentations on this. And this is one that I definitely know is a go to for me is understanding how to leverage um, mutual dependency. Oh, talk more. about Yeah. So and this is a go to for me. So like I just didn't think of this. one. This is one that I definitely make sure that I share when we're talking about this concept. Um, So how do you leverage mutual dependency? It's basically understanding how you support each other. So how you support the person that you're leading up to and how they support you and how you work together collaboratively with a clear understanding and respect of the power structure. Oh, that's gold. Yeah. So I always share that. um, and, And that's something that is a part of all the presentations that I give when I talk about leading up. And obviously that's not my theory or philosophy that I came up with. That's one that I've learned through the research right? Um, and that I like to share. So understanding how to leverage mutual dependency. I is think, that a is conversation that you have like from the get go with a person who works for you or that you report to? 
like, how do you manage that both leading down and leading up? Do you like go in and say, Hey, let's talk about how we support each other. I think that is something that is developed over time. Okay. And it's something that's cultivated in the working relationship that you have when you have opportunities to collaborate, you're going to pick up different things and understand that better. I feel like if you go and sit down and have the conversation, you're not going to get the authentic dependency gotcha. movement or flow between each other if you're talking about it. Because you can sit right. down and say, hey, this is what works for me. This is how I feel like you can support me. This is how I feel right. like I can support you. But when you're in the midst of collaborating and working together, that's when you realize, okay, maybe this doesn't work the way that I interpreted it. Right. Or maybe this would work better if we did it this way. So it's kind of um trial by error. Okay. Type, you know, type approach. It's so funny because I have a different approach. And I think about my situation now and how often I say to the people um, above me, um, I want to make sure that I'm fulfilling your expectations of right. me yeah. and that I'm supporting you. Like I left a conversation with one of my um supervisors who is awesome and she's just super, super busy right now fulfilling multiple roles. Right. And I left her conversation just saying, let me know how I can support you. Um, and I think that really, cause she was like, Oh, well maybe you could do this or this. Um, and so she had me, you know, like schedule some appointments for her and like do a little bit of back work for her that, that she honestly probably didn't have time to do and was probably going to have to like, do it after work hours or something. And so I think that like, that's the approach I take. I'm a little more direct about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either way is bad. I right. think you, and I think honestly you have, even if you're direct about it in the beginning, you're going to have to still cultivate that relationship so that people know that, especially your leader knows that you're serious and you're going to fulfill that role that you have. Right. So I guess I'll tell you, and I guess ask a question back to you why I'm not as direct as you are because if someone tells me this is a way that you can support me, for instance, they said, Hey, you can do these tasks for me and you spend time and energy and effort doing these tasks. And then they come back and say, Oh no, you did those incorrectly. This doesn't really help me. Right. You're in essence, not really supporting them. That's true. You're just creating more work for yourself, which you will learn through that experience of how they like things to be done, how they like to be supported. That is a great point. Um, So that's, I mean, like you said, there is no right or wrong way. Your direct approach is what works for you. For me, it doesn't work for me because if you tell me this is how I can support you and I apply myself and put forth effort and energy towards it, And then later on, really, it's like, oh, just kidding. Nope, that's not how you can support me. I'm going to be frustrated because, you know, that didn't work out. So as opposed to putting myself in that position, understanding that when you're talking about self-management, that's knowing yourself and knowing how you respond. Right. I know that's going to frustrate the heck out of me. So I'd rather go into it knowing that, hey, this is an experience that I'm about to take part in and I'm going to learn from this experience as opposed to going and saying, hey, tell me how you can support me. And then they tell me and then I go and do it. And then they're like, oh, no, this isn't really the right way. Yeah, that's a really good point. So when you're talking about self-managing and that's 
understanding how you respond. I know for me, I would get frustrated. So to avoid that, I just go in with the concept of I'm going to learn in this experience. Good point. But your way can work for you. I'm not. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I guess. I think it works both ways, honestly. Yeah. But my question back to you, I said I had a question back oh, to you yeah. was, well, basically what I was going to ask you was, how does it make you feel when you mm-hmm. completed the task and then they come back and you realize that it wasn't what they wanted or how they wanted it? Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's super frustrating and it can be upsetting because you might spend a lot of time and energy putting yourself into this task and then they're like, that's not right or I didn't want that or maybe the, you know, the assignment has changed or the priorities have changed and that's no longer relevant. And so there are two sides of this for me. Um, yet at first I'm frustrated every time, like it doesn't matter. I've been working beneath people for ever since I started my career for over a decade and it never gets better. Like if I'm told to do something and then I do it and it's not accepted, it still hurt. Like it'll hurt your feelings really. Right. Right. Um, but there's another part of me and this has come just in the past few years. That's really like... I was requested to do a task and if it's, if it doesn't end up being what was needed or if the priority shifts, I have to be, and we talk about this often. We talk about it. We've talked about it in past podcasts. We've talked about it in, when we give talks, we talk about it in trainings. I have learned to be flexible and adaptable because if you don't bend with that, and you don't bend with that request. And even if it might mean that I feel like my work was lost or I just did all this for nothing, if you don't become adaptable and just learn how to pivot and say, okay, it's over. Like I'm still getting paid to do this job. I got paid to do that assignment, but I'm still getting paid to do this job. I'm going to do the next task to the best of my ability at their request. And so that's kind of, it took me a long time to learn that because otherwise it would drive you crazy. Like it would drive me crazy. I would be an emotional wreck all the time if I was constantly told like (laughs) you're not doing the right things and I couldn't bounce back from it, you know? So you kind of learn to bounce back from it if you have to. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Yeah, so um, I want to throw another tip in there. Go for it. And I think when we talk about self-management, I feel like this also means from a physical and emotional standpoint that you're ma- that you're taking care of yourself, like you're managing your health. And yeah, that's very important. That that may mean physical health, but I think it more importantly means your emotional health, because the way you show up emotionally and your, you know, you know this, your emotional intelligence quota, um, and what you're giving off at work, and then along with that, your social intelligence quota and how you're responding to people at work and communicating with people at work is so incredibly important. And you can't manage that if you're not practicing self-management principles by like, you know what, if you're having a rough season of life and you need to go see a counselor, by all means, go see a counselor, you know, stuff like that. And like taking time for gratitude and meditation. Um, I think are super important too when we talk about self-management. 
Ooh, you threw a bunch in there. I really did. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's all you can throw a few more if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. That that's good. Good. Okay. Well, do you have any more tips for this, especially surrounding self management? Because we do talk about it a lot, and it's part of our success coaching and yeah, how we help people. No, I definitely think that we covered a lot. Okay. And I Perfect. think that we have a lot of valuable tips that yes. people can take away from this segment of it. Right. I agree. Yes. Cool. Okay. Well, let's move to number two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so number two, the second way um, out of the nine ways to lead your leader is to lighten your leader's load. We did just talk about this a little bit because when the boss succeeds, the organization succeeds, which means that you succeed. Right. So if you lift in the load in in theory, in good theory. point. In theory. <laughs> if you lift the load on your boss's plate where you can, you are going to usually be looked on more favorably. Um, but it's also just gonna be a really good part of leading up. And so I talked a little bit about that. Um, but I wanna know from you now, how has this worked to your advantage in the past? Um, when you've been able to maybe take something off your boss's plate and helped lead up in that way, how has it worked to your advantage in the past? Well, it definitely builds that rapport. Um, okay. I think that that's the first and foremost part to leading up and your boss feeling comfortable to give you things to do or you being able to go and take things off your boss's plate. Um, it, it builds that rapport. Right. And, and I think that, an example of that in a natural sense would be as if you're talking literally a plate of food. <laughs> Anybody just can't come up to my plate and take food off my plate. You be slapping hands away. Yeah. But <laughs> if you came up, oh, I'm not giving you permission to do this. But if you came up <laughs> and you wanted to take something off my plate because of our rapport and our relationship, I'm not going to be too frustrated or upset about that. You know what I mean? I, but yeah, if yeah. it's somebody that I don't know that I don't have that rapport and there's nothing established, like some words going to be exchanged. I really want like I want to use an example, but I know you don't. What? You don't watch Friends, uh, but I watch Friends. Go for it. You can give that and I'll just sit back and be like, yeah, what she just said. Joey doesn't share food from Friends. He's out on a date with a girl that he like just met. And he really likes her, but she reaches across the table and steals one of his French fries. And it like just blow the whole relationship just blows up. What she just said. But the moral <laughs> of it is, is that rapport wasn't there. The rapport wasn't there. It was know? like the first or second date. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't there. So yeah, to a answer your question as to um, what did you say? How does how have I used this to my advantage in the past? Right. Um, is one building that rapport, but also it builds trust. Right. Um, and I think that's very important when you're talking about leading up and your boss allowing you to take things off of their plate or you being able to or feeling comfortable to take things off their plate. But you know what? This is how it plays into the first one, because if you take something off your boss's plate and you don't do it well, Ooh. you definitely don't build trust. Correct. So you have to have the principle of self-management down so that you will do excellent work so that, that you will correct. build trust. Yeah. And then I think one of the most important things to remember and to take away from everything that we're talking about today is it increases your value. 
Oh. It increases your value. Yeah, you're right. And the way that it increases your value is by building that rapport and building that trust in the leader, they're going to put more value on you and your skill set and what you're capable of doing. And then if there is ever an opportunity, depending on what field you're in for advancement or acknowledgement, like your value is increasing, you're going to be considered higher than others that's true that is absolutely right i i uh, didn't think about that but yeah that's absolutely correct Yeah, so it definitely does that so i think to answer your question i'm trying to remember the exact question but like how has it worked in my oh yeah to your advantage uh, to my advantage yeah yeah, in the past so um how it has worked to my advantage it's given me the opportunity to build that rapport do it the right way like you said and build that trust and increase my value. Can I ask, what are some typical things that you might offer to take off of your boss's plate for them? Absolutely. So I'm very strategic with mine. So I'm not just going to go in and and just randomly. Like any, give me anything. Yeah, give me anything. I'm very strategic. First of all, I'm going to make sure that it falls within my strength zone. Right, because you, you got to do it yeah, right. You got to do it yeah. right. So it falls okay. within my strength zone so that I can do it right. And I know I'm going to be successful at it. And I know that it's something that I can handle. Right. So I'm going to make sure that it falls within my strength zone. That's the first thing that I'm going to do. The second thing that I'm going to do is kind of evaluate if it's going to present me with an opportunity to grow and to learn. Okay. Because if it's on your boss's plate, that means that it's at a level that you're either trying to get to or if you're reaching up to their plate, you know, a level that you're trying to get to or a skill set that you're trying to obtain. Gotcha. So I'm going to make sure that it, it'll give me an opportunity for growth. And then the the very last thing of determining how or what I'm going to take off their plate is if it's going to be beneficial to the department and have an immediate impact. That's how I operate. Because I feel like there wouldn't be a reason to take it off their plate if they were if they weren't looking for immediate results. Yeah, true. Agree. So those are the three things that I kind of evaluate. I'm not going to just go and take something that's of lesser importance and it's not due or it's not going to be viewed for another six or seven months. I'm like, well, my boss can get to that whenever they need to get to that in the next six or seven months. Right. I'm going to go try to find something that can have that immediate impact. It's like a high priority. Yeah, high priority. time for or... Right. So okay. so that's my approach. Um, and those are the three things that, you know, that I kind of look at and do. So I make sure it's in my strength zone. Um, you know, I make sure that it's something that's going to help me develop and grow. And it is something that is going to have an immediate impact or it's, of higher priority. Okay. And then I want to add one that I think, I think this is also a good kind of going back to what we talked about of understanding your communication style and theirs, but also understanding the time that they want to spend. Um, because there is one, like I can think of one person that I report to that, um, she probably doesn't have as much time to spend, um, to mentor me in certain tasks. And so if I were to ask or tell her like, Hey, I want to take something off of your plate for you. It's gotta be something that I'm competent and I know I'm competent and skilled in right, right. in order to finish it. 
that matters. That matters. And I just know that intuitively, like understanding her schedule and how busy she is and just like, she's not going to have the time to come back and be like, let me show you how to do this. I have another supervisor who I know would wants to mentor me and wants to make sure that things get done in the way that they need to get done in. And so with that supervisor, if I want to take something off her plate, I feel like I can offer and that it can be something maybe outside of my skill set that I'll get a little more mentoring on, but I'm still doing a bulk of the work. So in both cases, you're helping. But in one case, it could be more of a hindrance if I were to like take something that that person didn't have time to like show me how to do it. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck on this project or I'm right. stuck on this task that I took from you. Like you don't want to be a hindrance either. That's why identifying and knowing that strength zone is so important. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's why that's so important. Yeah. And knowing when it's the appropriate time to yeah. build skills versus just get a task done. Yeah. That second part to, like I said, opportunity for growth and development. But I think the very first part, like I said, is identifying if it's in your strength zone, because if it is in your strength zone, that growth isn't going to be like, I'm learning how to do this right now on the spot. Right. Which can, like you said, that could be detrimental. That can be detrimental. You want to take something off the plate and then drop it on the floor. Yep. Yep. Mm -mm. Totally. Yep. Don't take no French fry off my plate and I let you get it. And then you drop it on the floor. (laughs) Oh no. Daryl doesn't share food. (laughs) Um, has this ever worked to your disadvantage or do you have any like words of caution? I guess I just gave a slightly a word of caution about this, but yeah. do you have any extra words of caution about taking stuff off of your leader's plate in attempt to lead up? I think that you have to be cognizant and aware of perceptions and making sure that you're communicating with this person as you work through or work with whatever you took off their plate, Um, because it can also create like a threatening environment or a threatening situation for your leader, for your leader. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I've, I've experienced this before. Oh, so I've worked in an organization to where I was taking things off of my boss's plate and I was accomplishing tasks and I was doing things and I was making them look good. And then people started to realize that and they started bypassing my boss and my leader for information. Oh, they would go straight to they you. They would go straight to me because I was taking things off oh. my boss's plate and people kind of caught wind that, oh, well, Daryl's taking care of that. He's handling that. And they would bypass my boss and come straight to me and ask me for information about things that my leader should have still had the authority. I'll use the term authority to answer the opportunity to speak on first, but they were bypassing that person and they were coming to me. So, you know, that's a great example. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And it put me in a tough position when you say like disadvantages, it put me in a tough position Yeah, because if my boss superior coming to me, I feel like I have the, the obligation to share that information. Yep. I can't be like, oh, and you sorry. have the knowledge. And I have the knowledge. So yeah. I can't be like, sorry, go talk to my boss. They have the answer. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was, I was giving answers and, and giving information to those questions and things. And I feel like a word of caution is to make sure that you're communicating 
all of that with your boss and keeping them in the loop. Uh, okay. Um, and, and looking back, I felt like I could have handled that situation a little better and put more effort towards leveraging that mutual dependency. Uh, yep. There it is. With my boss. Yeah. So um, that's a that's an example. And I mean, that immediately came to my mind when you asked me that. And I remember that situation just like it was yesterday. And my boss reacted as a threatened person would fight or flight and boy did they have some words for me and boy did it create a a a very hostile environment for a brief period of time yeah I oh I so bad want to ask how you repaired that relationship it was tough and, and what was so frustrating to me was a lot of opportunities were taken away from me because they were threatened because by you. they were threatened. So a lot of opportunities, even though I, you were doing a great job, I know. And even uh, though I was making the organization and the department look good. So a lot of opportunities of me being able to take some things off that plate and learn and develop my skill sets and grow that went away was immediately taken away. You think that your leader didn't trust you after those people would bypass I don't know. I never asked that question. I never had that conversation. Huh. And, and I was younger in my, you know, my professional career. So right. I, I'm now thinking back, I knew I could have handled it better. I do know that. And I will acknowledge that. But I wish I would have had that conversation to find out what was going on, what was the thought process, and, and would have been able to have been given some feedback as to what we could have done differently to avoid that situation. Right, right. Oh, interesting. So so I we never had that conversation. So I I really don't know to answer your question completely honest. Hmm. Okay. Do you have any other words of caution about this one? Um I think that you you really hit it on the head with your example. Okay. When you're when you're talking about being cautious uh, cautious, I think that what you said Um, It's really important making sure that you have the skill set and you have the knowledge to complete the task or the objective if you're going to take it off your boss plate. Okay. Don't take it off and then try to figure out what the next step is. Yes. And especially if you tell them, like, I got this handled. Yeah. And then, dang it, you don't have this handled and then you feel like an idiot. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you ruin that trust. Yep. Very true. Um, the third one from Maxwell is be willing to do what others won't. Few things gain the appreciation of a leader quickly than an employee with a whatever it takes attitude. So I agree with this. Um, <laughs> but I think that there's probably a lot of caution surrounding this. Oh, absolutely. So I, I want to definitely get your take. Like, this has worked for me in the past. It's been an advantage for me. Um, and it's also worked to my disadvantage. So, but I want to hear from you first. Me as well. I mean, yeah, it has, has worked in my favor advantage? and it has worked against me. Yeah. Um, and who, a whatever it takes attitude. Yeah. Ooh, that's rough. Um, in, in multiple ways. I'm trying to figure out which angle I'm going to take because you said you want to hear from me. So I will take the, <laughs> I'll take the, the advantage, because that's kind of how we've been doing it so okay. far. So I'll take how this has worked in 
in my favor or to my advantage. Okay. Um, ooh. I mean, this is the approach that I normally take, you know, and, and I'm very strategic, though, when I take this approach. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is, like, I don't just go jump in head first because... You plan it out. I, I plan it out, yeah, b- because I know what the disadvantages are, which I'm going to get to in a second. Those are what's coming to my mind right now. The disadvantages. The dis- I mean, they're firing off in my brain right now but i want to stay in context and in order of how we're doing this okay so so definitely i don't dive in head first um i take a very strategic approach so i find out what the true needs are and then determine how i'm going to attack the situation um i'm definitely going to find out what the best strategies are in order for me to do that Um, So whatever I need to do to have the quickest and best impact, because when you think of it from a whatever it takes attitude is usually in a time of need. Right. Um, So I want to make sure that I'm strategically thinking through what I need to to have an immediate impact. Um, And then just understanding what the expectations are, because a whatever it takes attitude with no expectations can leave you to these disadvantages that I'm about to drop on you. Uh-oh, what are, okay, so, <laughs> so I think... Go ahead, hit me with the advantages questions because these disadvantages are firing off in my brain oh, right now. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but what do you want to know more about what I said? Like I said, I don't, I never, yeah. with the whatever it takes attitude, like I never, I'm very strategic about it. I never yeah. jump in head first. Um, I'm always trying to identify ways to get immediate impact or immediate results because when it's in a whatever it takes stage Mm -hmm. it's usually urgent and it's usually important and it usually has high needs so i (laughs) like oh my god i know i'm i like that you said all this and i'm thinking also like i think i have the same type of thought process is like i see for every advantage that there is there's like two or more disadvantages oh yes um i don't think it's a bad thing i think that employees with whatever it takes attitudes are good and they're good to have around because yeah they will work you know i was just talking with a coworker today about an employee that worked for me and i actually also worked for you um and how this person was one of the most reliable people that would do whatever it took to get the job done and this was a major advantage to have this person on our team in yes. order like this person was an advantage and just being that reliable like that is something that i put in recommendation letters for past employees is like this person <laughs> was reliable did you ever put they have a whatever it takes attitude no i <laughs> never put that that would be, I don't know oh. I don't know how I phrase that um so that's the advantage but I keep thinking about the yes man versus the no man yeah right? yeah and yeah. I think that there's advantage and disadvantage to both but then this made me think of um I've always been more of a yes person like 
Daryl knows this about me. Probably like if you listen to the podcast, you might know this about me, but I've always been more of a like, yes, I'm willing to say yes and figure it out along the way. And I'm starting like just recently to realize that like not jumping at every chance or like saying no to some things is actually okay. And this actually happened in my office today where, um, somebody had a question about a software that I would consider myself an expert in. And I knew that I could help them in their question, but they didn't ask me. They asked somebody who I know was like also an expert in this. And so in my mind, I'm like, you know, they might need help. You could go over to their desk and like help them also or listen in. So if they have the question and they want to ask you, then you already have the background. Like all of these things are like running through my head at the same time. But I actually was proud of myself because I quelched it and I was like, they didn't ask you. It's not your business. Even though you know the answer, it doesn't matter. Let the other person like keep working on what you're working on and let the other person give that answer. So you're not being the yes person here and not jumping at the chance. Right. Because that can also be annoying. I think that's annoying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like that's a disadvantage is definitely annoying. Yeah. Like you can you can be that person who's just always like, hey, I'm here and I know how to do this. And even if you do. So what? Like spread the love, you know, like let other people help out too. Definitely. So it's funny that you said that because I'm the same way as you are. I'm a yes person too. Now here's the, see, I knew you were going (laughs) to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Let's unpack this a little bit more. (laughs) As soon as I explain this, you're going to be like, ah, yep. I got you. So I am just like you. I'm a yes person too. But here's the kicker. Hear me and hear me well when I say this. And I wish that everybody could be here to see April's expression on her face when I say what I'm about to say. Okay, say it. <laughs> I know. Everybody's like leaning forward. They're like, okay, go for it. Get it out. No, so I, don't know. I am a yes person just like April is. But here's the kicker. Sometimes it takes me so long <laughs> to get to my yes that you just tell me no anyways. <laughs> so I never have to say no because sometimes it takes me so long to get to my yes. This is so true. That by the time I get to a point to where I'm ready to say yes, you've already done moved on or you've the already project's been done. Yeah, for the project's been done <laughs> or you're already done said no. So I am like you. I say, so I guess I strategically say no by extending the time that it takes me to say yes. Like, hold on, let me think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Is that not true? Yes, it's absolutely true. I'm just like you. I'm a yes person. I say yes a majority of the time. But sometimes it takes a little bit longer for that yes to come out. And enough time has passed to where me saying that yes is pretty much irrelevant. But I didn't say no. That's funny. It's so true. <laughs> I will tell you when being a yes person has worked for me in the past. And I would say early on in my career. And I hate, I almost hesitate to say this because I don't want to give the image that people should do what I did and to do this. But right. I was so often a yes person that, and I think because of the place I was in, I was at a much smaller organization um, and people knew me and they trusted my abilities, but I said yes to everything. 
so that when I applied to the job here, my resume looked like I have been in the field for 25 years. And it still does because I said yes to everything, everything. And so that has actually helped me because it's helped my network. It's forced me to meet people. It's forced me to work on things and do things that I never would have done. But then the disadvantage to that, because there's a disadvantage to everything, right? Burnout. Burnout was number one. That's probably the, actually the number one disadvantage. That's my disadvantage. Like, as soon as you said that, yeah, it just, that just, I mean, my I brain just started firing on all cylinders and burnout was the first burnout. one. Burnout. Self-care was nowhere on my list. Yep. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And the other disadvantage that I feel like I'm dealing with now, and I don't, I don't want to sound ungrateful or anything, but I do think it's a disadvantage a little bit. It's it's an advantage and a disadvantage, but I have, and I am also flexible and adaptable, but I have moved jobs so often that I feel a little bit like I'm a generalist and I'm a specialist in nothing, if that makes sense. And I think that like there are definitely things that I'm better at and that I'm very good at. But when we talk practically about like my nine to five job, there are definitely I'm like, man, I just need to like become a specialist in one area, you know. And so it just takes it's it's okay to say yes to everything. And sometimes you just got to say no so that you can really hone your skill set. You can take the time. You can bunker down. You can get all the skills you need and you just hone your skill set. Yeah, while we're on this, I don't want to like beat this one down in the ground too much, but I think that and this just kind of resonated with me while you were where you're speaking, but I think that when you say yes so quickly and so often that it puts you in a position to where somewhere along the line what you're producing is going to have poor results. Yes. That's how Agreed. I feel. Yep. But but I could be wrong because no, like I, I said, right. if if someone asks me something and it takes me a long time to say yes, it gives them time to think about it. But also it gives me time to think and prepare that if we're still in a place to where my yes is accepted, you best to believe that the results are going to be on quality, point. Yeah. They're going to be quality. But I feel like if you just fire off. Yes, yes, I got it. Yes, I got it. Yes, I got it. Well, there's too much on your plate for you to do anything very well at all. Right. You're doing a whole bunch of things at subpar quality, but you're getting a whole bunch of stuff done. Yep. Um, So that was what popped into my head when you said that. And I definitely wanted to share that as well. Yep. Definitely agree. So. Yes. Um, So do we have any other disadvantages to this? You want to sit here and, or and, li- and list them all? Okay. I, nah, nah. I think I think that the ones that we've touched on are, are the most important. The most important, but I feel like they're broad enough to anything else that we say now are going to be branched off of burnouts, branched right. off of poor quality in what you're p- producing. Right. It's going to branch off of not taking care of yourself. Yep. You know, I think that all of them are going to kind of mimic each other or either branch off so i think that we covered the major points yep um and i think that we did that well so yes perfect whatever it takes attitude you can do it (laughs) maybe just think through it yes a lot (laughs) 
Be like me. Yeah. You think through it so much that you don't. It's like a month and a half later and you're like, oh, by the way, yes. And they're like, we finished that project. (laughs) That's funny. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Success in Black and White, the podcast, as we went through the first three of the nine ways to lead your leader. So those were lead yourself exceptionally well lighten your leader's load, and be willing to do what others won't. Um, We're going to come back next week and go through the rest of the nine ways to lead your leader. So please tune in. You don't want to miss it. So until the next time, we are out. We out. Hey, everybody. If you like today's episode, please subscribe to the Success in Black and White podcast. You'll get notified every time a new episode is posted, which is every Tuesday. If you loved this episode, help us spread the love. Rate and leave a review on our iTunes podcast episode. Also, share that you listen on social media and tag us on your posts. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all social media platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all social media platforms as well. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, you sound like Keith Sweat. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Oh. Oh, did it record? Yeah. <laughs>